You are about to hear the Parental Dadvisory podcast. Parental Dadvisory contains lots of adult content. You may hear swearing, sex talk, oh, yeah. discussions about the challenges of parenting, drink recipes, and more. Parental Dadvisory is real. It's raw and definitely not safe for work. Consider that your fucking warning. So put up your feet, grab your favorite adult beverage, and behold the glory that is the Parental Dadvisory Podcast. Here's Doug and Jay. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Parental Dadvisory Podcast. I am your host, Jay Wisniewski, with my co-host, Doug Ziegler. How's everybody doing? Doing good. Tonight we have a special guest, BK Mullen, is joining us. How you doing, BK? What's going on, fellas? Uh, I got a little bit of a cough going on, and uh, the snow is making the house a few degrees colder, so I'm a little bundled up right now. (laughs) Well, I think this topic tonight will get things heated up. It will certainly get my blood boiling. That, that'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and, and I have to say before we go into this, uh, for those of you listening out there, uh, just so you're aware, we are going to be touching upon the topics of the Second Amendment, gun control, gun reform, massacres, and recent school shootings. I will say when we went searching for guests, I, I had far more people you know raising the digital hand than i thought would happen so i would not be surprised if this turns into a series down the road yeah me either i think this is uh it's got a lot of different views and angles to it so i'm pretty sure we're gonna have many different perspectives on this uh so bk you want to tell the listeners a little about yourself uh for those of them who don't know you like we do uh you can shout out your blogs or your various projects yeah, sure. Uh, my primary blog is Earth vs. Ben, which also has a companion podcast uh, of the same name, which you can find on iTunes. And I am also one half of the dad podcast, uh, the Poppin' Bottles Dadcast with Nick Brown. And uh, yeah, I kind of have a YouTube channel, but you can find out everything you need to know about my other projects on Earth vs. Ben. Welcome, welcome. We appreciate you joining us tonight, sir. So how do we want to kick this off, Doug? You got any topics in mind? Well, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't start with Florida. I mean, that's that's really the the impetus for us kind of going into this podcast with this topic because, you know, I don't know how you guys feel, but like for some reason, even Sandy Hook, which was an atrocity, didn't quite hit. I think it's just a cumulative effect. Like I felt really really skeezy about sending my kids to school after the the incident at the school in Florida and I cannot remember the name of the school but you know, for me that's that's where this is this is kind of coming from it's just the idea that you know I think it, you'd like to think we've had enough of this but it feels like our the current administration doesn't think so so uh, I think that's where it starts from for me at least yeah, so that uh, that would be Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, for those of you who uh, may not have heard about that, if that's possible. So uh, I think at last count, we were up to 17 killed by the, uh, the murderer there. I refuse to just refer to him as a shooter, just so you guys are aware. Um, so yeah, seven, 17 killed. Obviously, there's more still in the hospital. Uh, and it is. It's a continual issue we're seeing again. I, I think this one, Sandy Hook hit me hard because of the age of my children at the time. But this one 
hit me from a different one. I'm from Florida. We still own a house there. And, um, you know, it was just one of those, I was actually out of town, uh, work, uh, working with a work client and it just went up, you know, all over the phones, all over the TVs and everybody's like, Oh, another one. Um, and I think that whether it's this current administration or in the past, not that I'm, I'm degrading past administrations, but I think that both administrations and representatives, Congress, the House, Senate, whatever you want to throw out there, there is not being enough done. Yeah, it seems like one of those issues where, you know, you consider you consider what Congress is, uh, you consider what your representatives do and what they're able to do. When everybody, um, <clears throat> excuse me, when everybody sees a common goal and all they all work for it at the same time, they all, you know, can come to an agreement, and then that's how laws get passed. Um, and for some crazy reason that is beyond my understanding, they can't seem to agree on the idea that kids should be safe in schools we should be safe in malls and walking in the street and you know uh it it doesn't seem to get through to them as a group to all agree that there is an issue that needs to be taken care of uh as far as gun control is concerned um yeah it's just it's beyond me why they can't free that out i would say that it's not beyond me i really do think it's all about them wanting to keep their own jobs and having an organization like the NRA fund the shit out of them. And, and, and right, to me, yeah. that, that's where it lies. I mean, you look at all you hear from uh, a lot of the folks from, and I'm going to point to the GOP here because they're in power. Uh, they right. have made it very clear that their only retort to people dying from sh- being shot en masse is thoughts and prayers. And while thoughts and prayers right. can be helpful, they do jack shit to solve this problem. Yeah, you know, I don't belong to any particular religion, but I am not an atheist either. And uh, but I, I realize how little thoughts and prayers do. You know, what do you think, Jay, about that? <laughs> uh, it, it drives me absolutely insane. So, um, born and raised Catholic, at some point in you know my early to mid high school years, I kind of went Christian non-denominational and somewhere along the line in life, uh, between seeing all of the fucked up shit that I saw in the military up until now, I am, I've been an atheist probably since my first child was born and, and he's, uh, you know, 10. So it's, uh, it's one of those things I, I don't, uh, I don't put anybody down for being religious or having religious beliefs. I, I don't doubt that there are some people who genuinely believe that there can be healing through the power of prayer and, and uh, you know, positive communion and thing of that, things of that nature. But it's just tiring. It's tiring, you know, when, when I see whether it's a Republican, a Democrat or a Libertarian uh, who goes on TV and, and says, you know, oh, it's, it's too soon to talk about this. You haven't given them time to grieve thoughts and prayers like so when is it not going to be too soon because i mean uh, you know i'm I'm 32 i just turned 32 and and i was talking to my wife about it i'm like this is not new like it goes back to columbine for me at least that's the first big one in my mind yeah i think that i think that's the first one for me too and i'm older i'm 46 so what about you ben what what where do your uh where where does it start for you 
Uh, it starts for me with Columbine, even though I was very young when that happened. Uh, I remember. I remember the most important thing about it being uh, years later when my dad, you know, but my, my dad had a very interesting process for teaching things to my brothers and I, when it was something that was very serious. Uh, and he did the same thing with guns that he also did with alcohol. And that was, he laid out a bunch in front of us on the dining room table and said, okay, this is what this is. This is how you treat it. This is how you use it and be very afraid of it. Um, so that's really my earliest memory is, uh, as far as school shootings go. Um, and this sort of thing is, you know, we talked about Columbine, we talked about what happened and why it happened and that sort of thing and who did it. And, uh, and then we talked about guns and we talked about what kinds there are and how you use them and why they were created in the first place. Um, and why you should be very afraid of them. And, and that's been sort of a staple in my life is, uh, is f- an intense fear of things that can do horrible things. Uh, if that makes any sense. <laughs> that, yeah, that definitely makes sense on my end. So, you know, we talked a little bit about background before we started recording, but just for the listeners out there, um, I grew up in a very, pro to a household. In fact, my mother and father are still very pro to a, as far as I know, card carrying members of the NRA. Uh, at last count, I want to say my dad probably has three large, like police grade safes full of various firearms throughout the house. And, uh, from a young age, my brothers and sisters and myself, we were all, yeah, exposed to various types of firearms, various types of ammo. And it's interesting because uh, we didn't hunt. It was all for protection or sport shooting. Uh, I can tell you probably every weekend or every other weekend, we were at a range with my dad and my mom. Um, and we were shooting with them. You know, we understood how to strip it, how to put it back together, how to clean it, what kind of ammo uh, went in it, what the various types of ammo would do. And so that, that was my exposure at first. And I think even with uh, Columbine, which I, I was young as well, I understood the devastation of it. I, I understood that something horrible had happened, but when you grow up in that type of, of, you know, situation, um, it's very hard to change until you get older. So like even at high school, I enlisted in the military, um, uh, in high school, I was actually on a rifle team and I always tell people this amazes me. So, uh, we lived in Florida, right outside of Tampa, a little town called Sefner. As much as there were like dairy farms and, and citrus farms around us, like it, it wasn't a hick town because it was right outside Tampa. It's very developed. But I always found it interesting. I joined uh, JROTC in high school and I got onto the rifle team because I'd grown up shooting. I was like, oh, here's something I can be good at. I lettered in the rifle team in high school. But the thing I find hilarious about it, uh, hilarious and just kind of sad at the same time is I was, even though the school and the ROTC department had rifles, my dad went out and got me an Olympic grade shooting rifle and I was allowed to carry it on the bus into the school. And I had to take it back to the ROTC room to be locked up 
They would store it. I would fire it. And at the end of the day, I'd ride home with, on the bus with it. Jesus Christ. Wow. You know? <laughs> and, the, and that's what I mean. These are, this is still happening in places. As far as I know, that school still has a rifle team. Some of the leadership are still in charge there. And, and nobody ever blinked. I, I remember walking up to, you know, the instructor and being like, hey, my dad bought me this. Can can I transport it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Bring it in. Holy shit. <laughs> Wow. Hey, I grew up. I grew up in Super Rural, PA, and I don't ever remember kids bringing guns on the bus. So that's a that's a new one on me. Yeah, that's a new <laughs> one for me too. Wow. But I mean that that just gives you a view into those families. I mean, you hear about it on the news. I'm sure we all know people, um, and that's how it was. And in my mind at the time, there wasn't anything wrong with that. You know, I was shooting for sport. I obviously didn't plan to do anything horrible with it at the school, but just the fact that I could, nobody questioned a kid getting onto a bus with a yeah. rifle in a case, bringing it into a high school. Like, and, and I had to walk past, you know, schools have resource officers, which ours were actually sheriff department sheriffs in Florida. I had to walk past his office to get to our OTC office. Nobody stopped to say, whoa, who approves this? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a fairly recent thing, though, isn't it? For like, uh, I don't know, BK, if you had the same thing at your school, but like my school, we didn't have any like officers or security. I mean, I granted, I graduated high school in 1990, and like that kind of stuff was, you know, Columbine happened in 1999, so that was that was nine years after right. I graduated, and I think at that point, nobody even really assumed that was really an issue. So, like, is that that's something that both of you had to deal with in, in high school was just having security measures? Because, you know, I didn't. Yeah, we did. Um, you know, I like I said, I went to high school in, uh, well, I don't know if I said it on here yet, probably before we were talking, but I went to high school in northern New Jersey. Um, very uh, backwoods kind of town, lots of farmland around there. And uh, <clears throat> I can't remember exactly when we started having somebody there. Uh, but I remember when I moved from the uh, middle school wing up to the high school wing, uh, there was a New Jersey state trooper, uh, trooper Arbolino. And he was a very nice guy, uh, but he was very broad shouldered and big chested. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, he, uh, he always had his uh, state police uniform on and he always had a taser and a nine millimeter Glock. And, uh, you know, we had had talks before where we would gather in the, uh, the assembly room in the theater. Actually, we had a theater at our high school and, uh, and we would talk about safety. And if we saw anything weird or funny to, you know, uh, tell it to Trooper Arbolino. But the main thing, uh, and it's something that I'm thankful for now that I think back to it, even though I thought it was sort of silly back when I was a teenager. Uh, the main thing they talked about was uh, mental illness, uh, mental health and um, being depressed. And if you're feeling depressed or if you know somebody who is or is thinking about hurting themselves or other people or anything like that, um, you know, tell somebody, tell anybody at all. Uh, but also tell Trooper Arbolino. So it was sort of like they almost, you know, it, it was nice for them to make that a point of discussion 
because still today there's a lot of schools that don't make that a point of discussion. Um, there is the secretary of education who does not want to make that <laughs> the point of discussion right now. Um, but uh, yeah, no, nah, it's, it's just, it's strange now that I'm, that I'm thinking about it in, in closer detail. Uh, we never felt threatened by anything. Uh, but Trooper Arbolino was there and he was always, you know, sort of checking in with everybody just to make sure everybody was good, making sure everybody, you know, making sure that nobody was having those thoughts or anything like that, I guess. Yeah. And, and for me, it was interesting to me because it's kind of a culture, at least where I was from in Florida, to answer your question, Doug. Um, not only did I have an SRO uh officer in high school we had it in middle school i don't really remember elementary because i moved down there around second grade i don't remember seeing a law enforcement presence in elementary school but from middle school through high school yeah we had one assigned and it was always weird to us because um it was a situation just like bk shared you know they they were always this broad-shouldered chiseled like sheriff they were nice to us but it was if you see something say something and then what made it more awkward is as you grew up and started to have a social life so you'd go out to the movie theater on the weekend you'd see your sro work in the movie theater like (laughs) so you were damned if you do damned if you don't you you couldn't get away from the person and it just became this ingrained part of your life to expect that officer to be there whereas you know then i meet people from all over various other states or even my nieces and nephews now are my kids going to school. My kids don't have an officer at their school. Um, you know, and, and sadly, because of what happened in Florida this week, my wife was telling me she had a conversation with some of the staff over there and some of uh, the other parents where they jokingly said, oh, if anything ever happens at the school, you and your husband live right next door. Good thing Jay's a trained veteran. And I told my wife, I said, that's that's absolutely horrible to assume because there there it goes again to the fallacy of a good guy with a gun is going to stop the bad guy with the gun. You know, mm-hmm. absolutely. The only reason I asked that is because it, it feels fairly new to me because I'm older. Um, but the idea that I think it's pretty, pretty amazing, BK, that you had mental health being mentioned there, because I feel like in my perspective, am I looking at this through my very liberal lens? Is uh, that mental health is both uh, lauded but vilified in these situations where it's, you know, from the people who are in the camp of 2A will say, oh, it's a mental health problem. It's not a guns problem. It's a mental health problem. And using that as almost a scapegoat. And yes, mental health is a part of this issue, a very large part, but. We have more guns in this country than we have people. Right. So, I mean, I, I don't know how you can make the, the the reasonable, rational case that it's not about guns at all. It's just about uh, a mental health issue for whoever pulls these kind of tragic episodes. Yeah. And, and I think what you're, you know, the, the, the words that you just use as far as reasonable and rational – I, I think that's what we have to focus on. Yeah, I mean, there's other things to focus on, but that's one of the things we have to focus on uh, as far as who is able to own a gun. Uh, because when I think about it, and I don't know if you feel the same way, Jay, um, being as trained as you are, 
because uh, you're probably way more trained than I am. But with the training that I do have, when I think about it reasonably and rationally, if I wanted to have a gun on me for protection, or if I wanted to have any gun in the house for protection, which is what a lot of these people are saying they need it for, uh, when I think about it rationally, you know, with the training that I have, if you have the training that you're supposed to have in the first place, you don't need an automatic rifle. You don't need a semi-automatic. You don't even need a shotgun. If you're trained, and it, or at least trained as far as I think you should be if you want to own a gun and have it in your house, if you're trained, I mean, you know, have a little... Uh, have a six shooter, uh, you know, so just a little something, you know, because it, if you really know what you're doing, if you know how to use it and more specifically, if you know how to use it to stop an aggressor, then you do not need something, you know, large and in charge, if you will. You don't need a 357 Magnum, you know. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, you're, 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 here's where I'm going to get heated. Okay, so <laughs> I was wondering what we drop it, here. man, drop it. Th- this is one of the first things that immensely pisses me the fuck off, right? So, um, whenever anybody chimes in to say we need reform, uh, even if you say I don't want to take away your firearms, I just want to put some common sense measures in place to make sure that these are in the right hands. People immediately say, you know, well, I had to go through training right. to get it, or I'm a, I, I'm a veteran of Vietnam <laughs> or, uh, okay. So first of all, law enforcement, so police officers, FBI, CIA, whatever you want to throw out there, Homeland, guess what? You don't train once in your life or in your career and then stop. You are retrained. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, throughout your career, and you have to pass certain standards. What's funny is if you look into it, there are certain law enforcement officers across the US that will tell you they have very relaxed standards for training. They are surprised at how many people that are in the field aren't really scoring highly, which is not even what we're getting to here. So what I'm getting to is, if we're requiring active duty military uh, reserve military like National Guard, Air National Guard, um, you know, school resource officers, if they're required to re-up the same way we're required to go in and renew our driver's mm-hmm. license, why is it that right now, I can tell you right now in the state of Michigan, I do still have two firearms in my house, haven't fired them in probably two years. Uh, they're locked away, but I, I, I don't have a concealed carry for them. Not that I want one. I I haven't, like I said, fired in two years. Somebody who in a split second, right? Say somebody is breaking into a person's house, right? And they say, well, when did you get trained on that? I got trained with this nine millimeter Hmm. six years ago. When's the last time you went to the range? Three years ago. When's the last time you did anything other than clean that firearm? Oh, I haven't done anything in two, three, four, five, six years. Uh, you really think you're going to be going back to that training six years ago in the middle of the night when somebody breaks in and you're mm-hmm. trying to protect someone. And, and that, and that's, that's regardless of the firearm. Like you said, whether you have a semi-automatic rifle or you have a pistol, I just think that we have this asinine process in place where somebody can be required to train once. And, and let's be honest, there's people out there who get firearms passed down to the family who never right. trained at all. 
and all of a sudden it's it's that good guy fallacy oh i'm, I'm gonna be fine i trained six years yeah. ago like no <laughs> that's like saying a bodyguard doesn't need to train you know <laughs> like i i just don't understand why that mentality is okay I think they pulled the whole slippery slope argument out of that sort of thing. Like, well, if you make us do this, then you're going to have to do this. No, no, this is about really, it is about common sense. You know, uh, guns are made for one purpose and it is to kill things, whether it be an animal, uh, you know, and you could say something, well, some of them are made for sport shooting, for shooting skeets. Yes, but they're also meant to be able to use to kill animals if you prefer or people. And that's what guns are. You know, when you hear the argument, too, that drives me completely insane where they say, well, you you can drive a car. Well, yeah, but cars are regulated. So you need insurance. You need, like you said, you need a driver's license renewal. You need to be able to take tests to ensure that you're cognizant enough to actually handle that. But those are things that are necessary parts of our society. Those are things that have inherent value outside of killing things. Guns do not. They are one thing. They are meant to kill. And, um, you know, I don't know if either of you have ever seen that skit from Jim Jeffries where he talks about gun control. That is the perfect rebuttal to gun control, (laughs) to gun advocates. It is. And that just that thing cracks me up, but it scares the shit out of me because it's it's common sense and, and people who are advocates or gun control will be like, fuck that guy. He's Australian. Who cares? <laughs> Back to the point of, of 2A and the Second Amendment, you know, I, I, I also find it extremely ironic that uh, at least for most of us, we go through school as kids and into adulthood and through college and we're taught how amazing our country is because the founding fathers built it on this living, breathing document that can be changed and is the voice of the constituents. And, and because that amendment just so happens to fall in the top tier and we're talking bill of rights, then it becomes, well, it's an amendment. Yeah. You Cause it's number two. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why is that sacrosanct? I, I don't understand that. Like now there are some things like I would say one uh, the First Amendment is actually sacrosanct, but that's because if you can't speak your speak your mind, then that's a problem because then you get into 1984 territory. But uh, but they they've even made amendments to that, like yelling fire in a movie theater is not legal. You know, there there's like you can make changes to amendments and laws to fit the times. Yeah, exactly. You know, it, it's it's just mind boggling the gymnastics folks go through to try to just keep it as is sorry i'm i'm pretty passionate about this particular okay. thing so there's there's going to be a bit of a bit of uh, rambling in this uh in this episode probably especially by me because you know it's just god every time i think about you know it, even before this thing happened in florida i'm i'm driving out of my uh the parking lot of my daughter's daycare and, uh, you know, you make a left turn and then another left turn to get to the main street in town and across the street in that intersection is, uh, the state store, which for those of you who don't know what a state store is in Pennsylvania, you can only buy hard liquor either at the bar or at a state store. Uh, you can't go to Wegmans, you can't go to Walmart to pick up your vodka or wine or anything like that. Um, and it just 
you know, every time I look at it, I just think to myself, there are laws that are more strict on the sale of alcohol than on the sale of firearms in my state, in my hometown. And it's just, it drives me nuts. And you got to think about it. It's not just your state or hometown. You know, I remember having conversations with my dad when I hadn't even graduated high school yet. And I'm talking to a recruiter to enlist to possibly be deployed overseas. And what am I being trained on? I'm being trained to kill somebody, whether that's my MOS or not. Every soldier's job, soldier, airman, Marine, whatever you are, you're essential career path you're you're most likely going to kill someone or be involved with kill someone so everybody touches a firearm right so i can go off and shoot people and defend my country but i can't have a drink legally with my dad you know (laughs) so and i know people talk about that all the time but it's just one of those where's the common sense of that and um i gotta i gotta go back and rewind for a second with you guys because we brought up mental health right so and and that's one of my big topics on here and on my blog so uh first to start with i saw a tweet from one of our very good friends john kinnear i don't know if you guys saw this but his tweet your twin yeah yeah my twin yeah (laughs) so the tweet goes them this isn't a gun issue it's a mental health issue me okay we should provide health care to everyone them i will shoot you you fucking commie you know, it, it really is. Yeah. So then you come back at them with the numbers. And I understand that, yes, uh, especially with the murderer in Florida, there there was some obvious mental illness there. But like if you look into the research, so, you know, I'm talking the American Mental Health Counselors Association right now. Most persons with serious mental illness are never violent. You know, most persons right. with serious mental illness are at high risk of uh, committing violence to others only if they have schizophrenia or bipolar disorder. Um, most people with serious mental illness are victims of violence. Only 3 to 5% of all violence, including but not limited to firearm violence, is from people with a serious mental illness. Like, yes, right. yes, we do have a healthcare problem and a mental illness, but I just feel like it's passing the buck, you know? And then you're passing the buck to a topic that, again... We've been asking for bipartisanship on. We want better health care. We want better mental health cover for men, women, children. You don't want to talk about it then. It goes back to that thing. Oh, it's too soon to have that conversation. Well, it was too soon to talk about mental illness during the election. But now that a school was devastated in a massacre, it's not about the guns. It's too soon to talk about gun reform. Let's talk about mental illness. But don't ask us to talk about changing health care. Yeah, right. they've, they've, they've actually done a whole the opposite. They've actually taken away funding for mental health uh, wellness and things of that ilk um, just by virtue of trying their damnedest to defund things like, you know, the Affordable Care Act and things of that nature. And, you know, you can't have it both ways. If you're going to say it's a mental health issue and then you're not willing to help the people that have mental health issues, then you're full of shit. And that's just how it goes. And uh, the guys in charge, like that fucking spineless piece of shit, Paul Ryan, and <laughs> uh, like him, oh, we, we, we're our thoughts and prayers, and we're going to wait for all the data to come in. You don't need data. Here's your data. 17 people dead. I, I don't know how many more people injured. 
And hey, guess what? Three and a half months ago, we had a guy sit in a hotel room in Las Vegas and kill 50 people and injure 500 more. There's your fucking data, dickhead. Get to work. No, no. <laughs> okay, I, I got to cut in here too because now we're talking data. So I was researching all day. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I was researching. So the Atlantic has a piece up, right? That's strictly talking about data because I'm sure you guys have seen the media got smeared for posting uh, statistics from every town. And, and with every town, they log any shooting on a school campus, right? It doesn't matter if somebody goes in and commits suicide in their car outside of an elementary school that shut down right. or if there is a massacre like in Florida, any town considers or every time they're called they consider every shooting on a school campus a school shooting right so this media got smeared so i wanted to look into that right because same thing data 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 and i found this article where they talk about so there's a lack of reliable information on school shootings right and everybody's saying why why we have all these people tracking it uh, so under pressure from the nra the national rifle association in 1996 congress prohibited the CDC from funding public health research on issues related to firearms. Mm -hmm. Why the hell, why the hell is a, a, a firearm organization allowed to lobby to prevent the CDC from researching? You know, you can't ask for data and then let somebody shut down the data. Yeah. It's like, you can't say, Oh, this was not because of the guns, but it's because of mental illness. And then at the same time, not want to stop mental illness from happening or not, not, you know, you know what I mean? Not to treat it. So it's like, Hey, I don't want you to start this fire with my type of wood, but then turn around and grow as many trees as you possibly can. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's a, what's interesting too about this and is the idea that uh, like gun control laws are actually wildly popular. You know, the like the idea of not having a registry of people who have weapons, just a simple registry. When you're born, you're given a fucking social security number. And guess what? Mm -hmm. They can track you your entire life because you have a number and that is part of your that's part of your existence. Well, if you have a if you have an implement of destruction, a, a killing machine, if you want to phrase it that way, if you're going to go that route, well, that's a pretty important thing to track, I would think, especially when you consider just how many guns there are. Uh, I had somebody in a, a Facebook post talk about lamenting the idea that they couldn't just carry their weapon around like they used to. And I'm thinking, are you living in the purge? What's your problem? Why do you, <laughs> why do you need a weapon at all times? Like, what's going on? And like, do you really need that? No, the 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 NRA and the GOP are, are very good at marketing. It's something they're exceptional at. And what they peddle is fear. And they're very good at pushing that on people. And it's why they pushed the whole thing with with Barack Obama. Gun sales were never higher because they pushed the fear that he was going to take their guns. Uh, and mm -hmm. they push that and push that and push that and gun sales have gone tremendously down since Trump is president. Why? Because they think he's not going to take their guns. I'm not even going to get into the racial element of Barack Obama's presidency. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, something I found interesting while researching for this episode. So I had a fantastic uh, English teacher, English honors and composition in high school. Her name uh, was Miss Brady, right? And she 
would branch outside of just like a standard English class. And she did this project my senior year where her goal was to basically break you once in the class. So like I said, back then I was very, I was, I already had a youth NRA membership. She knew I was on the rifle team, blah, blah, blah. And ours, our project that she came up with, she goes, okay, well, you're going to debate and the class is going to judge you. So me being pro two pro yeah, sorry pro two a pro firearm, she said you're gonna have to tell us why we should support gun control and reform, right? So I go home and I'm doing this. My 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 dad's just like really, and I spun the shit out of it because I was so dead set in my family ways that I looked up the way around it. And it was actually really frightening and enlightening at the same time, because even back then, I graduated in 2004, okay? And what I found back then is we have a shit ton of common sense reform and control measures and laws that have already been in place for years, but nobody enforces them. So I went to look this up today, and I came across the same thing. Uh, There's an article about how Nevada passed a background check law for firearms in 2016, but it literally, since 2016, it's passed, it's signed, it's in law. It has never been enforced once. Never. And then in Colorado and Washington, uh, same thing. They, they put gun laws that cost millions into effect, bipartisan, and the noncompliance was by citizens. And instead of enforcing it, they just said, oh, we don't want to piss anyone off. Okay. <laughs> I'm tired. Uh, <laughs> and that, 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 that's like a recurrent thing, right? BK is just the idea that I'm tired. I'm tired of every day waking yeah. up. Fucking what crazy shits happen now? Like, you know, it, it happens after every time, you know, something like down in Florida happens. Every time there's a shooting, something like that. What happens is, you know, you see your fellow dads or just parents in general, and they they post on Facebook and they post on Twitter and all that jazz. Like, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold my kid a little closer tonight, that sort of thing. And you know, I love my kid. I love cuddling with my kid. I love you know seeing every single second that she smiles and every single second that she's breathing. Uh, but I want to be able to send her to school and not think that, well, this could be the last time I do not want to drop my kid off at school or at, you know, a hockey practice. If she decides to do that or whatever, or, you know, dance studio, whatever, I don't want to see my kid off into a world where I can't be at least 60% confident that she's going to come back to me at some point. And, you know, it's just hard. It's, you know, there, there are a lot of tiring things about being a parent as it is. Um, you know, paying the bills, making sure she eats, uh, kissing boo-boos and all that jazz. You know, it's there's already so much that this is just one of those things where, come on, can't, can't we just fix this, please? Can't we just do something about this and get it out of the way so we can live our lives? 
Yeah, and I'm just <laughs> I'm right there with you, man. It, it, it's 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 emotionally and it's gotten to the point where it's physically exhausting because like you said, we go in these cycles and I know everybody's seen the images on Facebook going around in the memes or the people on the whiteboards, but you feel like, okay, I'm doing everything I can because I'm not in the Senate. I'm not a congressman. And I know people say, oh, well then run. Okay. Well, you know, that's, that's not something everybody can do in the sense that we all have lives. So it's tiring when they say, oh, you're a constituent, make your voice heard. Well, yeah, I'm a constituent. And even for me, so I align pretty liberally uh, with the Democrats, but because I was so conservative and in a conservative family growing up, I find myself to be more libertarian on things. But what's funny is like the two parties that really have control over it, you know, one's thoughts and prayers, the other's pushing for it. They all hate each other. Even if we vote in another president and, you know, the, the next cycle, nothing ever gets done. And, and it took me back to, you know, my main point is the kids. Like you said, I don't want to drop my kid off at school, at a concert, or even his friend's house. It, it boggles my mind that somebody can be upset when I, I politely ask, hey, I'm letting my child spend the night with your son. Do you have firearms in your house? You know, why do you need to know that? Because I'm letting my child stay in your house. Do you have firearms? Like I would, I don't understand. I would tell somebody that I have two in my house. You know, I'd show yeah. them where they're safely stored, show them that the ammo is put away. I, I, I don't get why this conversation is so hard to have. Um, you know, if we can't have conversations that make us uncomfortable and, you know, help us get to these changes that need to be made, we're, we're just going to be stuck. And that's where we've been. And it's evident, like I said, since Columbine. And I'm sure prior to that, I saw that one of the girls that was in a recent shooting, like her grandfather huddled mm -hmm. in a school because of a shooting. And I just don't know how to get past yeah, it. And that's absolutely. what's tiring. But I'm, you know, my kids are a bit older, um, as I mentioned before. And so there's a, there's a bit of a different thing is like Sandy Hook really just like, put people with smaller kids on notice like oh it's not just high schools and nothing got done after that and i that's just unconscionable and i'm still not understanding why nothing was done out of that uh my two of my kids go to a school where there's a kid who has made threats at the school and said he would shoot up the school they can't do anything about it all they can do is just monitor him and so every day I have a very real worry that they're going to go to school and maybe not come home. And, you know, it's, it's just really unfathomable. I, I don't understand why there are folks in Congress who could do something like, yeah, I can call my representatives. I live in a liberal state. My representatives are on my page. Like I, there's not anything I can tell them to do, but you know, they, they can only push what they can push for, but the other folks who are in charge decide that, no, that's not really what we want to do. And, you know, it, it, it boggles my mind that you have, you have children who are involved that don't, that they don't even enter into their consciousness, that they've, they've allowed themselves to think that the price of freedom to have guns is the execution of children in this country or just even anybody 
anybody is that's the price of freedom is you could possibly die at any time or people you love could possibly die at any time. And, and it is, it's like you said, it, it's anybody, right? Because for years, um, whether it was after Sandy Hooker recently, people would say, oh, maybe these congressmen and women will understand when it finally comes home to them, right? But guess what? That didn't make any difference. 2017, the congressional baseball game, you had a congressman get gunned down Oh man, I there's been so many shootings that I totally forgot about that one. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it's uh, Steve Scalise. I I don't know if I'm pronouncing the last name correctly, but you know, a Republican member of Congress shot, hospitalized, dude fired at least seventy rounds, and and nothing came of that. Nothing. It went dead silent. <sighs> what else can you just go? Ugh. <laughs> <sighs> Gosh. Yeah. Oh, and can I can I just make a make a point that the idea of like we we want to talk about like I think BK pointed out earlier that we want to take a rational and facts based approach to this. The problem is is that to us it is a rational and facts based approach because we see the numbers of people who have been killed and injured due to mass shootings and, and massacres at schools and and pub, just public spaces. But to people who are 2A advocates and gun advocates, it's not a rational discussion. It is an emotional one. To them, it is an emotional reaction to owning something that could end somebody's life. You know, there was a line that Barack Obama got blasted for, which was uh, these people that cling to their guns in their Bible. That's true. They cling to those things. And, you know, he spoke a truism and he got raked over the coals for it. And, you know, he was not telling lies. These are there are folks that think that their right is to own a gun. And, you know, like we've discussed before, it's not that we're advocating for a complete annihilation of gun ownership. We're asking for is, hey, if you want to own a gun, fine. Here's here's all the hoops you got to jump through to do that. And you can only own these set of weapons. Right. I don't that that makes that makes sense. But gun Ownership for people who are passionate about it is not a sensical thing. It is an emotional thing. And I think uh, something that I'm advocating for, and I know many others are, right? So is even once you get these items in place, so even if we took every form of control reform, whatever is into law right now, and we finally said, okay, let's effectively enforce these Let's have some sort of mandatory training every two years or whatever form or or span of time we want to have, right? People have to understand why is it you can look at other things in life, right? So I know that I have been doing my job at work for almost three years. I get very highly ranked at it. I'm very good at it. But guess what? Shit happens. We're all human. I can mess up, Right. Right. So uh, there's a story I'm going to drop that I, I've never shared with anyone. I shared it with you guys before, right? So responsible firearm ownership. I have military training. I've been retrained. I, I used to go to the range. Now, not so much because I, I just don't care about firearms anymore. But when my first son was toddling around, I'd had like a 14-hour shift. I came home with my, my work laptop. And at the time, I had been carrying my pistol in a case in the laptop bag. Usually, what I would do is go straight to the safe, lock it up, you know, make sure 
that it was cleared. There was nothing in there. And I was so exhausted. I just wanted to come home and hug my kid. Went over to the couch, hugged him. You know, he toddled off in my mind. Nothing was wrong. And I got up to look for him. He had gotten in the laptop bag, pulled the pistol out in its case, unzipped the case, and had the pistol in his hands. Right? That's on me. I acknowledge that. People need to acknowledge that even responsible human beings who are well-trained can make a mistake. Mm. You know? Craziness. Yeah. And, and, and you know, and, and I'm not trying to point at anybody who's ever lost a child because they left it out. I, I'm trying to open that door to the other standards, right? So when you say, how did this 16-year-old or 19-year-old get this firearm to take to school, right? So maybe they're not buying it. Maybe it was their parents or their aunts or their uncles and they they hunt with them and they know the code. Man, I'm sorry. That has to be on people. I, like, I'm sorry that it offends you, that you think it's wrong, that I want some kind of reform that says that if you weren't responsible with your firearm and it gets taken to a concert or a hotel or a school and is used against somebody, you're liable for that. But guess what? Yeah. You are. <laughs> like there has to be something that changes and, and there's so many aspects of it that it, like you said, Doug, it's just mind boggling. Like, I don't know where we start, but it has to be somewhere because the shit where we're just sitting stagnant isn't working. Hey, BK, can I ask you what you would like to see from our representatives and government for uh, this particular issue? I mean, it's, it's, it's a pretty, yeah, it's a huge issue, and yeah, there are nuances to it, but there's some very simple things we can do. But from your perspective, what do you what do you think the steps are that we should take? I think the very first thing that I would do, uh, if I were in a position to do it, and I hope that that my congressman, uh, or actually uh, re- representative, I suppose, House of Representatives, uh, Mr. Costello, Ryan Costello. If you're listening to this, <laughs> uh, is simply, and I and I say simply uh, because it seems simple to me in my mind, it just makes sense, is to completely be rid of the sale of automatic firearms. If you want to handle, in in my opinion, if you want to handle an automatic firearm, join the military, uh, defend our country with it that sort of thing. Uh, I see no reason. I have been a hunter. I have been around hunters, that sort of thing. Um, hunted very avidly for a number of years, and I used a, uh, a bolt-action rifle, and it worked perfectly well for me. <clears throat> um, you know, and like I said, if you have any training at all, you know that you don't need an automatic weapon to defend yourself if that's your, you know, if that's why you think you need it. So that would be the first thing in my mind is just to stop the sale of automatic firing weapons uh, at all. And if there's no registry, uh, I, I think some states already have a registry of some sort. Uh, but again, it doesn't account for people who have inherited firearms and that sort of thing. Uh, but there needs to be something like that. If you are so passionate about owning your firearms and having ammunition, then you should be perfectly fine uh, with jumping through whatever 
hoops or loops or whatever you want to call them uh, to be able to have what you want. How about you, Jay? What's your thoughts? You know, I, I would love to have some like sweeping legislation that could fix all the problems. But, you know, interestingly enough, as conservative as I believe my father falls and as pro 2A, and like I said, he's NRA, he's actually an instructor. You know, he trains people. He's all about training. I'll give him that. Um, we had a conversation when he was up here. And, and I think he's learned over time. Like, I don't push you know, his buttons, he doesn't push mine, but he's seen me shift, you know, more and more, not even necessarily left, but more and more to dude. I'm sorry. In this world where my kids are so small, something's got to change. So my thing is like, okay, if it is so painful to rip the bandaid on things like fully automatic or on military style, I know people get pissed when people say AR and da da da. So if it is so painful for those firearm owners to make that change. If it is so painful for us to address amending the second amendment, right? Keeping it there, saying you can own it. My, my goal would be for a representative to start smaller because in the conversations I had with my dad, so we'll go to the Vegas massacre, right? They found 50 pounds Mm -hmm. of Tannerite in that dude's car. Luckily, he never got to use it. I don't know if you guys have ever seen Tannerite used, but basically 50 pounds. Had he lit that up, Vegas would have been just you you thought it was a massacre. Then it would have been just decimated. Right. So my dad and I were talking about that. Right. There's no registry for Tannerite, even though it was technically more deadly than the firearms he had. Why was this allowed to have guy allowed to purchase 50 pounds of Tannerite? And then the bump stocks, I was surprised to learn. Like I went out to lunch with my dad and he's like, have you seen bump stocks? I said, yeah, I saw the bump stocks. Bump stocks effectively made that guy's firearms fully automatic, right? Same thing. There's no regulation on bump stocks. So if you don't want me to touch the actual firearm, you can't at the same time say, oh, you you, you can't you know regulate or enforce regulations on these accessories. And that's the thing these not all but a lot of these people who who like you doug you said cling to their guns not only is it the guns it's the accessories it's anything to do with the shooting community uh, so my thing would be okay i'm coming to the table with this let's start small what about you doug uh well like I said, I, I lean pretty far left I, I don't think the idea of banning all weapons is smart i don't Um, like I said, I, I grew up hunting. I understand that sort of mentality of here's my weapon and here's what I'm using that I can shoot something and put food on the table for my family that I can understand. There is absolutely no need at all for anything that fires as an automatic weapon or as an assault rifle or like, what's your need for a shotgun? What are you What are you using that for? You're not going out and and hunting varmints with a shotgun. It has no range. It's 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 designed simply for the, the killing of pe- those things. Are actually designed for killing of people. So to me, I think if you, I, I can even get to a point where I could say, if you want to own things like that, you are going to be in a very small subset. You're going to have to go through mental health screenings. You're going to have to go through yearly trainings. You're going to have to be registered. There's a lot of things that need to happen 
to make this work. And the thing is, the people of this country actually do side with that. They do want to see something in place where we are, there's checks and balances for people who own weapons. These are weapons. <laughs> it's not like, oh, well, if we take weapons, they'll have, you know, people will find other ways to kill people. Well, a lot of people try to kill somebody with a knife. Okay. Like, that's not a great answer, but it's much better than having a weapon that can mow down. I, I don't know how long that guy was shooting in Las Vegas, but it was not a very terribly long time. And in that short amount of time, he killed 50 people and injured 600 or 500 or whatever it was. It's a lot. I just think to me that if you want to get to the root of the problem, guns are where you need to start. And then you then you spider web out of that. Then it becomes mental health. And you know, you, you can you can make any case for any other part that's that's in there. Uh, you know, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the idea of toxic masculinity. We all like to think we're going to be this Jason Bourne style of defender. If something, if shit hits the fan, we're going to be able to jump up with a gun and just stop it. Like a, like you've said earlier, Jay, you talked about the fallacy of a good guy with a gun. Well, we loud those things when we see them in movies. We we adore them, but the problem is, is the movies in real life. Shit doesn't work that way. So to me, I think we need to have at least a registry and we need to ban certain weapons that do nothing but are built to kill people. If you have a weapon that is built to, you know, like I said, uh, I think BK said something about having a a bolt action rifle to, to shoot animals. Great. That's exactly what you should have. But if you have an AR-15, okay, great. That's you think that's going to be help you be a better hunter. It's not, you don't need that. If you're properly trained, you don't need anything that has that much of a devastating effect on things when you shoot it. So like I said, I lean fairly left. I don't think we need to get rid of everything, but God damn, we need to fucking do something. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, we're, we're pushing it on an hour and I know, I know we like to keep it short and sweet for our listeners. So like I said, I think in the future, this will become a series. You know, one of the things there's so much, we didn't even get to touch on it. You just reminded me when you mentioned toxic masculinity, I've seen a lot of renewed uh, basically concerns and calls uh, for a look at video games and that oh, shit God. drives me nuts. Right. So uh, every, everybody's like, Oh, uh, we live in a, an age where parents are letting their kids play call of duty and grand theft auto. Like to me, I don't know about you guys, but this hasn't changed. And again, I, I'm obviously younger than you, Doug, but so I remember my dad saving up all his money to get me a, the first PlayStation in the first game he fucking bought me Duke Nukem before that on the PC. Yeah. I always played doom. Did that make me want to go out and shoot people? No, like, like with my kids, both of my kids play call of duty. I don't let them play grand theft auto. And what's funny is it's not for the violence. It's for other reasons. Um, but I'm, I'm just like fucking Roblox. Roblox <laughs> has shooting first person shooting games like but at the same time i'm sitting down with my kids explaining you know in a different way my dad sat down with us with a firearm in front of us and said this is you know this is this type of gun this is this type of rifle this is what it does whereas with me i'm like okay let's talk about why call of duty isn't real let's talk about how you don't respawn in real life let's talk about how you know fucking captain america armor doesn't exist for you um 
so yeah, I, I do agree that there is a necessity for parents like us, be it mothers, fathers, whatever, to have those conversations. But I don't think we can keep sidebarring everything to everything else, whether it's, whether it's mental illness, whether it's violence in video games, violence in movies. You know, people are like, oh, everything's changed. No. I mean, we had Terminator in what, 86, 85? Yeah, like, well, by the way. None, <laughs> I know. But I'm just like, whether it's Terminator or the Expendables, nothing has changed. The I just don't. I don't know where we start. Like I said, I I think that BK's point is valid. I agree that with the automatic thing, I'm a little more lenient on that because I think that if you could have like, say a fully governed and registered range where you had to have like a super huge amount of training and registry, like if, if a range wanted to own a fully automatic for somebody to go in and get their kicks and shoot, I'm fine with that. Um, but you couldn't buy it. You couldn't take it home. You couldn't go through licensing. Um, and then your only other option, like he said, would be to join the military or join law enforcement. Um, I don't I, I don't know how we get around being tired. We talked about being tired. It's just absolutely ridiculous that we can't come to the table and have a conversation and a debate and try to come up with something. It's not that we even tried. Like nobody wants to have this conversation except people who are like minded. It seems. I'll, I'll tell you what. Um, <clears throat> I don't. You know. I. I don't know how. Uh, how many people will listen to my words here, or or anything like that, or what kind of people they are? But um, I will pose an open invite to any senator, congressman, whomever. Uh, who wants to debate me on what's more important, owning a gun or the safety of children? Come on. Okay. We, wherever you want to do it, if you want to do it on a podcast, if you want to do it on national news, if you want to do it in the basement of a Chuck E. Cheese, I don't care. Let's talk about it. I think they've been pretty clear on that. <laughs> You know, I'll take it a step further. And I know this will never happen. I know that there are images to protect. But hell, man, we have participated in one of the largest summits of dads and brands coming together. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have panels, we have roundtables, we have keynotes. And I know those are usually positive. Could you imagine bringing in a senator or a congressman, whether they're Democrat or Republican or independent, putting them on that stage and saying, let's have this conversation. You know, oh, I would love, I would love for me and a couple other guys, you guys and Aaron Govia to have a crack at Mitch McConnell. Oh, that would be so good. Oh, that would be so good. And like you said, I'll take anyone. I, I if, it, if it needs to be a governor, a mayor, just anybody who's willing to engage and have that conversation. I'm willing to let somebody like, you know, Wit or Doug French moderate, come up with the questions, you know. But the silence has to stop. The thoughts and prayers has to stop. I get it. You, you feel bad. They need to mourn. But, dude, just let your balls drop and have the conversation. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Ugh. All right, that, that, I think we got to cut it off so at this I, point, don't I we? I think on that note. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just got one more thing to say. Uh, I yeah. just wanted to give a shout-out real quick. Um, I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong, uh, but it's this girl named Kira or Kyra, K-Y-R-A. 
Uh, she's on Twitter at longlivekcx. Uh, she's a student at the high school down in Florida um, that just had this incident, uh, whatever you want to call it. And uh, she has been tweeting uh, every day since, every couple hours. She's been, uh, I won't say debating with any Congress people or anything like that, but she's been calling them out and she's just been really really vocal about uh the things going on and you know like i said she's a teenager she's from the uh the high school that this just happened at and uh she's got a lot of good points and she's got a lot of good things to say and it's very emotional and it's very real because you know she was just there her her tweet from that day is just in all caps and it just says uh i've made it out of the school do not come near the school there is an active shooter and it's just insane. It's insane. Uh, but yeah, just a quick shout out to her. Go follow her, go check her stuff out. And I actually agree with that. What's funny is we usually close with letting everybody share their social media and ours. And I, I was going to share a student as well. If you haven't, whether it's you two or it's our listeners, go YouTube, Google, CNN, Fox, whatever you choose as your source and look up the speech by the student from the high school. Uh, her name is Emma Gonzalez. And I'm going to read a part of it. Ridiculous! Please share that. She put on, yeah, she put on a fantastic speech. I'm going to share it in a link as well. But just to give you an idea, she said, we are going to be the kids you read about in textbooks, not because we're going to be another statistic about mass shooting in America, but because just as David said, we're going to be the last mass shooting. Wow. Hell yeah. <laughs> So, you know what, uh, th that's going to be my closing comment to all of these children, whether you're in middle school or high school, those years go fast, get registered to vote, educate yourself, because as, as much as we, the adults are trying to push this, you guys are the future generation. Amen to that. Run for office. <laughs> yeah. Hey, also run, run for something.com is actually a, or is a.org. They're actually a, a a resource you can use if you're actually interested in running and changing things. But thanks to everybody for listening tonight. Thanks again to you, BK, for joining us. And uh, I will extend the invitation that BK did as well. And I'll extend it even further. Whether you're a senator, congressman, whether you're just another dad in our group, let us know. I want to make this into a series of conversations. We won't do it every week, but uh, we'll gladly schedule something with you guys. Let's keep this conversation going. Keep it in the front. Let's not let it fall into the cycle of thoughts and prayers. Yep. Damn Skippy. Thank you guys for having me on. Yeah, thanks for being here. Thanks BK. for being here. You've been listening to the Parental Dad Advisory Podcast. If you haven't done it already, be sure and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Want to get social with Doug and Jay? Check out parentaldadvisory.com for direct links to everywhere they are online, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. One last thing. If you enjoyed the Parental Dad Advisory Podcast, give it a positive review. And tell all your f***ing friends about it.